Welcome to Eye on the Triangle with Sesha Hindi, a weekly glimpse into our community, bringing you news from the brickyard to your backyard. This week in news on Eye on the Triangle, a brief rundown of the latest news. Good evening and thank you for tuning in to Eye on the Triangle on WKNC 88.1 FM. I'm Evan Garris. And I'm Jack Boyer. Now for your headlines. They say that only Nixon can go to China, but President Obama is seeking to redefine that age-old adage. The president arrived in China late last night and held a town hall meeting with students in Shanghai today, according to the New York Times. The visit is intended to smooth over relations with one of the world's largest economies, but that didn't stop Obama from challenging the Chinese government during his address. A question was posed about the freedom to use Twitter, and the president replied by touting the benefits of free-flowing information. The Chinese government did employ restraint, allowing comments made during the meeting to be posted on websites for several hours after it ended. Al Jazeera is following developments out of Iran where the existence of a second uranium processing facility was disclosed. In a report released today, the International Atomic Energy Agency detailed the discovery of the facility, providing evidence that it has existed since 2002. In lieu of this report, Al-Reza Ronaghi, Al Jazeera's correspondent in Tehran, said Iran plans to prove, prove that its nuclear program is unstoppable. That's why they have built this strike-proof nuclear plant under the mountains near Qum to prove that Iran will never stop its nuclear program. This news comes only weeks after the existence of another nuclear processing facility near the holy city of Qum was revealed. Members of the United Nations Security Council have been navigating tumultuous diplomatic waters in order to ensure that Iran is complying with international regulations. In a sad story that's making national headlines, police recovered the body of missing five-year-old Shania Nicole Davis this afternoon near the Harnett-Lee County line, according to WRAL-TV. Antoinette Davis, her mother, and Mario McNeil are under arrest under suspicion that they placed Shania into prostitution. They'll face a judge again on December 3rd. Over 250 volunteers helped with the search after police received a tip on the location of the body. Cal Cunningham, a Lexington Democrat, thought mulling a run for the U.S. Senate against Richard Burr has announced that he will not run in the 2010 midterm elections, according to the Raleigh News and Observer. Formerly thought to be a strong candidate to take on Burr, his concession may signal that the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee has decided to back another candidate. So far, NC Secretary of State Elaine Marshall and Durham Attorney Kenneth Lewis have announced their intent to run in the primary. U.S. Congressman Bob Etheridge was thought to be a contender as well, but he removed his name from contention on Friday. Plans are materializing for a memorial for Kay Yao, the late women's basketball coach, less than a year after breast cancer claimed her life. Technician reports that donors have already put forward, put forward $23,000 toward the project with an eventual goal of 85000 When complete, a memorial garden featuring a bust of Yao and other NCSU coaches will stand between Reynolds Coliseum and Tally Student Center. Additionally, Cary leaders dedicated the basketball court at the Herbert C. Young Community Center to Coach Yao in a ceremony on Saturday, according to News 14 Carolina. You can read about this and other stories in today's copy of Technician. And yesterday marked one year since a series of powerful tornadoes killed two and injured six in Johnston and Wilson counties, according to the National Weather Service office in Raleigh. Those storms struck at night, and nationwide, North Carolina has the largest percentage of nighttime tornado deaths. A late-night tornado in North Raleigh in November 1988 killed four and injured 157. NASA held a picture-perfect launch of Space Shuttle Atlantis this afternoon. The shuttle is bound for the International Space Station, carrying gyroscopes and other equipment. Astronauts are scheduled to make three spacewalks before returning home the day after Thanksgiving. 
The Dow Jones is up 136 points today, closing at 10,407. Other key indices also rose amidst better-than-expected retail sales and encouraging words from Warren Buffett. In the weather, tonight will be partly cloudy and seasonable. Expect lows in the upper 40s. Tomorrow won't be too remarkable, but perhaps a little more cloudy and a little cooler than today, with highs only topping out in the mid-60s. We'll have increasing clouds on Tuesday night and Wednesday, with showers possible on Wednesday, with a high around 60. Showers could continue into Thursday, but the system is not expected to approach the strength of last week's nor'easter. Currently, it's 63 and fair in Raleigh. And speaking of Sarah Palin, on this day in 1938, LSD is first synthesized by Swiss chemist Dr. Alfred Hoffman at the Sandoz Laboratories in Basel, Switzerland. And birthdays today, turning 32, both Oksana Bayul, Ukrainian figure skater, and Maggie Gyllenhaal, actress. It is now 88 days until the Vancouver Winter Olympics. A reminder that you can find out more about each of tonight's stories through links on Eye on the Triangle's webpage at wknc.org slash EOT. And you're up to date on Eye on the Triangle. You're listening to Eye on the Triangle on WKNC 88.1. I'm Seja Hindi. Before we get into our sports segment today, I wanted to talk a little bit about an old tradition that Technician, NC State's daily student newspaper, is bringing back to life this year. Members of the Technician staff will be playing flag football against members of the Daily Tar Heel staff, UNC Chapel Hill's daily student newspaper, this Friday, November 20th at 4.30 p.m. on Miller Fields on NC State's campus. The game is open to the public, and Eye on the Triangle will be live blogging from the game. As both teams are now practicing for the big game, I decided to talk to each of the publication's editors to see what message they wanted to send to their opponent. Here's what Technician Editor-in-Chief Ty Johnson had to say. We came up with the idea of a daily Tar Heel versus Technician flag football game last month in a staff meeting. Because between the Tar Heels winning the national championship last March and going deep into the baseball NCAA tournament, we talked about how there really were no shortcomings in Carolina's athletic program. Well, that is until we remember what happened November 22, 2008, when Keenan Stadium emptied in the third quarter as NC State's football team embarrassed the Tar Heels 41-10. That's why my staff decided we should help. The technician staff reserved Miller Fields November 20th at 4.30, two days prior to the anniversary of that 31-point victory, where we intend to teach the staff of the Daily Tar Heel how to play football. It's my staff's hope that since we've scheduled the clinic more than a week before Carolina is scheduled to visit Raleigh, that the DTH staff, after learning the game of football, can ask the athletics director to issue a forfeiture of the game scheduled for November 28th so they can salvage the Tar Heels' stellar athletic reputation and some gas money. We're providing locker rooms, flags, instruction, and a football, which must be a very rarely used item in Chapel Hill. So come out to Miller Fields Friday at 4.30 to witness the ultimate showdown for college media football supremacy. I also spoke to the Daily Tar Heel editor by phone today. Here's what he had to say. I'm Andrew Dunn, editor-in-chief of the Daily Tar Heel and head coach of the DTH's flag football team. Uh, we've been gearing up for this game against the technician for a week. We know it used to be a tradition for the DTH to play the technician in flag football, and the only reason the technician would win is they would bring in real you know, athletes from uh, club teams and junior varsity teams. So, uh, But we're expecting uh, a good, clean fight this year. We've got some athletes on our squad, and my prediction would be the DTH will beat the technician by the same margin that Duke beat NC State in football this year. We've had some practices out on the, um, on the intramural fields. Uh, we've, got, we've got our prospects for quarterback and receiver lined up. I'm naturally going to be uh, on defense as a corner. Expect me to intercept a pass and run it back for a touchdown. All I have to say is prepare to lose. And there you have it, Technician Editor-in-Chief Ty Johnson and Daily Tar Heel Editor-in-Chief Andrew Dunn. 
Once again, if you're in the area, you can check out the game on Miller Fields on Friday, November 20th at 4.30 p.m. or read our live blog about it on wknc.org slash blog. And then, of course, you can make your way to the Wolves' Den at 6.30 p.m. for Fridays on the Lawn, the last of WKNC's on-campus concert series for the semester with Cooley High and The Beast. We hope to see you there. And now, on to sports. Thanks, Seja. My name is Mike Olson. I'm joined tonight by Derek Medlin and Tyler Everett. We're talking about more significant but maybe not uh, higher skill sports tonight. Uh, Wolfpack varsity sports, that is. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about the basketball games that happened? Yeah, um, last Thursday night, NC State opened up its season against uh, Georgia State in the RBC Center. Um, kind of didn't really know what to think of Georgia State. They had some pretty good players on their team coming in, but, you know, pretty obviously, yeah, obviously NC State was expected to win. Um, as it turns out, NC State did win 69 to 53. Uh, didn't play that well. Um, from what I've heard from people who were at the game, it, it looked really did. sloppy. Tyler, I don't know if you went, but yeah, I was I was actually covering the game and uh, very excited getting there beforehand, and uh, all the energy in the stadium was great. But then the game started and it wasn't wasn't as pretty. We built a twelve point lead, but it didn't really feel like we were up. And then by halftime, we were only up three, and then more sloppy play early in the second half. It was a tie ball game with fourteen minutes left against a Georgia State team that. Uh, like Derek hinted at, they were they were not a bad team. They were pretty athletic and they were pretty experienced, but they were not a good team. A lot of these small school teams that um, ACC schools open up with are much more talented than you might expect. Georgia State was was far from impressive to me. They they were fairly athletic, but they missed a number of easy easy shots. And this game could have been different if that team had any had any talent. They really were a pretty low quality opponent. I, I thought. Right, and talk to me. Talk to me a little bit since you know you were there covering the game. Um, I'm looking at the box score here. Tracy yeah. Smith obviously had a good game. Looks like Dennis Horner probably had a good game. Dennis um, Horner played really well. I've actually not been his biggest fan by any means. Been quite critical of him in the past, but uh, he knocked down a number of open shots. I mean, not incredible for an experienced player to hit an open shot, but still an encouraging sight. He's open. He knocked him down, and he actually uh, put the ball on the floor just a little bit and went towards the basket and had some lay-ins. So um, he looked good. Um, I'm not, a, not too many I'm times a, I'm fond of him, but I, I I couldn't criticize the way he played against Georgia State. <laughs> okay, so so it looks like uh, the prospects for this season might be a little unclear. Extremely unclear with all the young players. Um, you see young players that ended up being all ACC. A lot of times they look bad the first time out. So we'll see if if the struggles that I saw on opening night are indicative of their youth or of a lack of readiness to play at any point this season. It really is still a question mark. No matter how negative or optimistic you want to be, you need to realize that that these games aren't in the indication. I believe UNC lost to Santa Clara and won the national championship later yeah. that year, four years ago. Yeah. So with a, with a young team, it, it I mean, these guys could be anywhere from all ACC to guys that we end up having to bench. So we, we shall see with as, as uh, All right. Well, I hate to be the guy, but since yeah. we're talking sports, i got to ask the obvious question, which is, I mean, are we basically just saying can Sidney Lowe hold on to his job until his next recruiting class gets in? Is that what this year – is that the story of this year? I, th- I think that's probably going to be the story this year. I don't know that it's necessarily him holding on to the job. I think he's got a pretty good hold on it, and I don't really think uh, – I think the people that matter are a lot more confident and happy with what he's done than, exactly. than the message board people and those who have who have torn him to pieces. Uh-huh. Hey, so don't speak. don't rip on the message board people. I'm too not much. ripping on them. I'm that's just all they do, they, right? Tear people to pieces. No, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, but, well, you when know. you're a state fan, that's I mean, you're just calling <laughs> them how you see them. I'm, it's a brutal world out there in the you know, message mm-hmm. boards. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sydney has a safe. great recruiting class coming in next year. Yes. Already, uh, it's got two guys that have officially signed. 
Ryan Harrow and uh, Lorenzo Bl- Lorenzo Brown. Wow, right. about messed that up. And, about uh, called him Brown, but uh, <laughs> Lorenzo Brown. We got yeah. a couple more guys that are still on the radar. Um, one of whom could be a huge impact guy, C.J. Leslie. The other one, Luke Cothran, another solid player. I mean. I don't know that he's like you said. I don't think he's holding on to a job. Yeah. I think he's got it. Mm-hmm. He can pretty much do whatever yeah. he wants I, to. I in think ACC. Um, I think it'd be a different story if Harrow and Brown weren't a done deal coming in. But I think the administrators and the people up there in the athletic department realize that mm-hmm. firing Lowe would just scare away uh, would not scare away, but uh, Harrow and Brown wouldn't be here without Lowe, and that would just push the rebuilding process that we're already just, frustratingly in the midst of. It would push it. Even further back, we'd be so, starting all over. So again. firing him after this season, regardless. I mean, you don't want to say regardless because if we go zero for sixteen, you got to look at changing it. <laughs> yeah, but so, um, barring anything disastrous, you got to keep low and see what happens when Brown and Harrow get here. Yeah. So speaking of disastrous, you guys want to talk football? Do we have to? <laughs> we, got a minute, we got a minute left. We okay. might as well. Okay. Might as well talk a little football. Um, if you missed out on uh, how NC State did this weekend, uh, you, you probably didn't miss anything anyway. They lost by You're forty fortunate. points. You're fortunate. Uh, they lost forty-three to twenty-three to Clemson uh, in a game that really wasn't as close as a score. Um, it you know, looked like we belonged on the field with them for the first time in a while. The offense got it together a little bit, but for a long time, that you couldn't tell which was worse, the offense or the defense. I was actually encouraged by the defense, even though we gave up um, over forty points. Surprise, surprise. Um, well, That's pretty much average, isn't it? That's par for the course. Oh I mean, well, no yeah, doubt. par for our course, and it's not par for anyone <laughs> else's course. But with the way everything's been going, yeah, you're unfortunately right. But they beat us with trick plays. Um, low, uh, wow, what am I talking about? Spiller had about ninety yards, but there were a number of plays where he didn't get more than a yard or two. He hit us with some trick plays. He had a halfback pass. Jacoby Ford, Jacoby Ford um, scored on a reverse, and then they had a wide open Spiller running down the field on a breakdown in coverage. Yeah. So some extremely correctable things, whereas in the past, a lot of these teams have just taken eight yards, eight yards, eight yeah. yards. Clemson didn't really do that, so if there was an encouraging thing about the defense, it was that they'd play good two or three plays and then give up a big one, which which beats beats the crap out of the alternative we've seen in some of the previous weeks. Well, real quick, we got to go, but uh, i got to ask the question that's on everyone's mind. What's going to happen when Carolina rolls into town? Uh, there's going to be a lot of blue in Carter-Finley, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, other than that... It's, it's hard to say because Carolina is the same way that NC State is. If they show up and play really well, they'll probably beat NC State. If mm-hmm. they don't show up, NC State will have a chance to win the game. Um, the one thing I do know, as long as the weather's good, there will be a lot of Carolina blue in Carter-Finley Stadium. Oh, and it is going to make me sick as can be. Well, Brace hopefully yourselves. they'll leave crying because – and it won't take long <laughs> if they're losing at all because if they're down by so much as six with ten minutes left, they'll be out the door to get to a social or whatever it may Spoke, be. Spoken so like a true NC State So let's go get them, NC State. Thanks, guys. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Have all right. the triangles vip talking to people that matter you're listening to i on the triangles vip i'm seja hindi this week i on the triangle decided to focus on one fee the board of trustees will be voting on thursday and friday the tally student center renovations fee as many of you who are on campus are aware the administration teamed up with students from various groups to organize the rally for tally campaign a campaign to increase awareness of an increased student fee to support the renovations of a new student center the issue of this campaign and fee increase has stirred a lot of controversy with many students in opposition to an 83 dollars increase fee for the student center for next year 
and a fee for the next 25 to 30 years, not to exceed $290. Students had the opportunity to vote in the annual Student Senate fee referenda about the fee, and while 61.6% of students voted against funding the fee, a majority of students did say the Student Center needed renovations. Therefore, the Student Senate voted in support of the fee increase and sent its recommendations to the Fee Review Committee. The Fee Review Committee also recommended to the Chancellor to support this fee for the next four years. The Chancellor was also very vocal in his support of the fee increase throughout the campaign. The next level is the Board of Trustees. However, some students and student senators do not feel that students' voices were heard, and it is rumored that students from the Rally Against Tally campaign will be protesting at the Board of Trustees meeting Thursday. Be sure to check out our blog for coverage on that, and tune in for a special update on the Board of Trustees meeting Thursday at 7 p.m. on WKNC 88.1. Because this has become such a heated topic, I and the Triangle decided to interview Mary Cobb Randall, Student Center's president, about the campaign, and Jordan Hammond, a student senator who was in opposition to the fee. We're also here live with two students, one who is in support of the fee increase and one who is opposed to it. We'll go ahead and play our interview clips with Mary Cobb and Jordan, and then we'll listen to our live guests here in the studio. You're listening to Eye on the Triangle's VIP. I'm James Lehman. Today I sat down with Mary Cobb Randall, Student Center's president, to talk about the Rally for Tally campaign. Mary Cobb, how are you doing today? Doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing good. All right, so we're going to get this started. Uh, first question, in two sentences or less, can you tell us um, what the Rally for Tally campaign was? Sure. The Rally for Tally campaign was an effort to inform students um, about the atrium and tally renovation project. Um, it was to encourage them to learn more about this fee, but also to encourage them to learn about all fees. Um, the fee referendum happens, um, um, this one happened in the fall, and so we were encouraging students to ask questions, learn about as much as they could about the project um, so that they could get all the information that they wanted. When did you get involved with Rally for Tally, and um, why did you guys decide to push it so heavily? Um, I became involved with the Tally Project last fall, I believe, um, pretty soon after I came on campus. Um, it was still in the very preliminary stages. Um, the marketing effort really kicked off in around uh, March or April when we had our first event on the Brickyard. Um, we had a lot of people out there to answer students' questions. That was really our kickoff event. Um, and then over the summer, it was sort of uh, low-lying for a while because there weren't as many students there. But we had our website continue, continually updated throughout the summer. And then in the fall, um, the referendum was on October 5th. So that was really just a little over a month until since students got back. So we were making a hard push for students to become informed since it was you know, such a short period of time. So, Okay. Um, this sort of seemed like a project that the administration was going to imp- approve anyway. So why why go ahead with um, the the Rally for Tally campaign? Um, I I really don't think if this had been overwhelming, you know, students did not support it, that the administration would have, you know, really had to look at, you know, if what they're doing is correct. But, um, you know, students didn't ident- identify it as something that needs to needs to happen and one of their top priorities. So um, that, I think that was reaffirming to the administration, and um, I think that sort of helped them to move forward with the effort. So okay. Um, what would you say went really well with the campaign? And on the opposite side of that, if you had a chance to do it over, what would you change? Sure. Um, well, over a two-week period, we really made an effort to go to as many student organizations as we could. We went to um, at least three meetings some nights, um, sometimes more. 
Um, one thing that, and that was a really great, you know, we got a lot of contact with students. We were able to answer direct questions. And um, another great success was being out there in the brickyard. We were out there for a two-week period. We had renderings. We had different people, administrators. We had the designers out there a couple of times. Really, anyone there that students can answer their questions. And if they didn't have their questions answered, we, you know, gave them a source where they could find out that information. Um, we also held an event on a Thursday evening, and it featured the architects, any administrator that had been involved with the project, as well as students. And um, we had a couple components that night. We did a project overview. We had the designers speak, um, and then we took student questions. And uh, I guess I would have liked to see the student turnout with that a little higher. Um, it was really an, a great opportunity to for students to answer any questions they might have had. So I would have liked to have seen a better student turnout. Um, now, I know a lot of students were upset about the student Senate vote. Um, do you think there was a real loss of trust there with the students? And how do you think um, you could get that trust back? Um, well, I'm not a member of the student Senate, so I can't speak directly for, you know, what, what they're feeling. Um, I have read the, the memo that was um, sent out by student government for their justification for supporting the fees. Um, from my understanding, you know, they judged all the fees on three criteria and um they made the recommendation according to those criteria. So I think the Senate um, did what they were, um, you know, their mission is to do. So, Okay. Um, now, I know that there's a whole lot going on with uh, the renovations, but could you give us a brief overview of what Tally would look like when the renovations are completed? Sure. Um, well, one of the things that's most exciting to me is um, a lot of us are commuter students. Um, we live off campus, and so... You know, we get here in the, in the morning. We may have a huge gap in between our classes. The Tally Student Center is going to be a great place for commuter students to go and be in between classes. Computer labs, lounge spaces, a place for you to take a nap, get a, get a bite to eat, um, check your email, all of that. Um, it's also going to be a really great place for student organizations to meet. There's a real lack of um, places for students to meet on campus. So that's going to be another great feature. Um, there's going to be a lot more meeting rooms so that students will be able to find spaces to meet. There's going to be a lot of better food options, a bigger ballroom to accommodate um, any kind of on-campus parties that student organizations might like to have. Um, and it's, it's just going to be a better environment that people are going to want to stay. It's going to be a destination, not just a walkthrough um, like it is right now. Okay. Um, and what is the uh, expected completion date of the New Tally Student Center? Um, it's expected, it'll be, it's a phased project, so um, the addition's going to be the first part, and then this, the second part is to um, incorporate the bookstore into um, into the new facility. So the final completion will be about 2013 um, for the entire completion, but like I said, it's phased so that the, the building will be operational throughout that process. Um, so Okay, um, is there anything else you want to add? Um, I don't think so. Um, we're transitioning the Rally for Tally website to more of a building website. So if students have information um, that they'd like to know, that'll be up there um, as well. Um, we're working with designers to um, come up with a survey to ask students specifically about what they'd like to see in the building. Um, so be, look on, be on the lookout for that. Um, we're really looking to get a lot of student feedback to really make this the best building that we can and make sure it's done the right way since these projects don't come along very often. So, And that was Mary Cobb Randall with James Lehman on Eye in the Triangle's VIP. Next up is our interview with Jordan Hammond. I'm uh, Jordan Hammond, a first-year large senator here at NC State. I was one of the seven senators who voted against the fee referenda regarding the tally renovation and atrium renovation. 
Um, I'm still very proud of that vote, and I'll stand behind it either way. We had, like I said, we had seven senators. One actually just uh, resigned, so I believe our our base has kind of declined. But still, I think we can defend the people even more. And I'm not coming out here to say that senators, other senators are not supporting the students or anything. I just think they had the wrong reasons. And I'm not here to, like I said, I'm not here to bash there. They're all good people. Okay. Jordan, when did you first find out about the Rally for Tally campaign? Well, it was actually um, as soon as I got here. I was not less, not like bombarded, but we did have, not we, every part on campus had signs for Rally for Tally. My own dorm room had, in the bag we got for uh, freshmen, we got, I don't know if it was everybody, just every dorm room. But I know I got a bag with a bunch of coupons and Rally for Tally flyers. Uh, that was the second time I heard about it. First was at orientation, but... Once I came in to say, I really started learning about it. And to be honest, I personally think it's a good idea. I personally think it's a good idea, but my constituents don't. And that, that's what decided my vote anyway. But it was back, um, like I said, at orientation, I was, I think, the sixth group to come in for CHAS. So. Okay. And you talked a little bit about how you personally do support it. So did you kind of publicly support it before you heard from the students and then you know change after you saw the vote or was it really just something that you were kind of watching until you figured out what students thought i actually i did not necessarily support it i support i mean i when it came down to me whether i wanted or not i do like the tally renovation but once i saw the numbers that the students clearly voted against tally renovation that made my decision as a senator when as a senator you vote to represent the people and when i saw that their votes had clearly been in favor of not voting for the actual increase in the fee. They voted that was a priority over athletics uh, and a couple others. Um, we didn't really go into that. We just talked about how it was the top priority. Um, and also, I believe the other one was that it was needed. It was a needed uh, project, but they voted against the fee, which is what was most important to every student, as they were telling me. They said that was why I voted. I voted knowing that because I don't have the money. I like the idea, but I don't want it right now. Why do you think that students were not in support of it? I mean, is there anything that the campaign could have done or should have done to get student support? Oh, I believe they did everything they could. Because, um, like I said, there wasn't really a campaign against Tally until after the vote came. And uh, there wasn't really a side for the people who didn't support it because they didn't really, they weren't, you know, it wasn't enthusiastic. And the people who won it were very. And I believe that there's definitely information to help them know what was going on and everything like that. But I still... uh I think they voted against it mainly not because they don't think we need a student center or that it's we don't or that they think atrium should still be crowded at you know twelve ten on Monday Wednesday Friday but uh, it came down to money they, they, a lot of them know that more fee increases are coming and they don't want to see another one um, especially one that's going to go from I believe uh, eighty three dollars to up to no more than two hundred nine dollars either way it's a lot of money so you talked a little bit about this but you know students didn't support it because because of the money do you think that if it was suggested at a different time you know when we're not in an economic recession that they might have supported it oh I believe that would definitely influence the vote but that's not to say they would have still voted for it it's still a lot of money. And there are other fees coming. I mean, apparently it's definitely for sure. I still haven't seen the paperwork for it. I would like to. But for the health insurance, uh, mandatory coverage for people who are not insured, that's going to be uh, somewhere in the hundreds come for the come next semester, uh, fall, not spring, um, that there's going to be increases on dining, on housing. And we're also going to see, uh, well, they're still fine to reduce it, but 
Right now, it's set to be a $200 increase on tuition for the sake of the state. So even if we were in good economic times, I don't know if they would have supported it. I think they would have been more inclined, but I think the vote would have still swayed saying we do not support this vote at this time. Right. The Board of Trustees votes on Thursday and Friday for fees. Do you think that there's any chance at all that they may not support this fee? Well, I actually, I would like to say I think there's hope, but I do not, unfortunately. Not because I think they're bad people or anything. And I'm not, like I said, I don't want to bash anybody. I, I don't think that's it. But I've heard very loosely about how uh, we have been in contract with somebody, I don't know who, because I can't really get any good details or like them. But uh, whenever it's always questioned like, hey, why uh, why don't you support the tally fee? And I'll explain my view. Like, hey, if you don't vote for it now, the fee's going to increase. By the, there's always numbers that are around the most common one, $10 million a year, which I heard from one other person in, in Senate. I'm not going to name any names, but they said it, it was... A, uh, because we cannot violate a contract. And I keep on hearing this contract thing thrown around. So it makes it seem like, I, I'm not going to jump to conclusion, but conclusions, but it sounds like with this, uh, there was already plans in the making and that no matter how vote, or students voted, no matter what representation we brought from the Senate and uh, executive branch, the plans would have still held. So unfortunately, I don't think plans are going to change as they are. Um, it's sad, but that's I believe so. So why rally for tally? I mean, if the plans were already made, what was the point of the campaign? That's what I, that's what I would like to know, too. Um, I believe it was mainly so the students would actually maybe feel like they were supported in this issue because it is a student center of all things that's going for an atrium renovation, which I still, like I said, I'm a senator and I'm pretty, I don't have all the information, not because I'm not trying to seek it, but because I can't get it really. Okay, well, to kind of wrap things up, Obviously, Student Senate lost some trust from the student body with this. Um, you know, a lot of people complained about it. What What's the next step? I mean, what can Student Senate do to regain people's trust? <laughs> it's not by the rebranding campaign, that's for sure. Um, I, I'm, I'm not disrespecting any executive branch members or Senate members who support the rebranding campaign. I'm sure you're aware of right. it. But still, I don't think it's that way. I don't think by passing out cups with their name on it's the ideal and I believe it's truly, if we would have just voted how the students want us to vote, not how we thought they should have voted, but how they want us to vote. And if we can do that any from the next time on forever, I would like to see it happen. I can't say it will, but I think that's what you got to do to get the students back. They want students who are going to represent them, who are going to vote for them. Not because they think this is right for the students, but because the students said, this is what I want. And that was Jordan Heyman on Eye on the Triangle's VIP. You're listening to Eye on the Triangle on WKNC 88.1. We're going to take a short break, and when we get back, we'll hear from our guest, Peter Barnes, a former student center's president, and Christian Stackhouse, a student senator, about the Rally for Tally campaign. So stay tuned. Welcome back to Eye on the Triangle on WKNC 88.1. Again, our guests are Peter Barnes, former student center's president, and Christian Stackhouse, current student senator. Peter and Christian, why don't you tell us a little bit about, well, why you're here today and exactly what you feel or how you feel about the rally for tally campaign all right well thank you Sasha, for having us on here um i think really why i'm here is just to uh provide a little bit of in insight onto what's going on with the campaign currently well i guess campaign but more of the building process and answer any of the questions that you guys have all right again uh my name is christian stackhouse and um i'm here tonight to uh kind of shed some light on uh the reason why I voted uh, against uh, the Rally for Tally campaign and the, in the student fee referenda that was passed uh, a couple months ago and um, to hopefully shed some light on uh, some of the things that are going on in the Senate and some of the decisions that are being made in the Senate currently and that have been made in the past and 
hopefully we can clarify some stuff for, for students. All right, that sounds good. So the Board of Trustees is voting Thursday and Friday about student fees and, you know, general increases. Peter, why do you think it's important for the rally, rally or sorry, the tally campaign fee to pass? Well, I think, first of all, we need to clarify this is the Atrium Food Court and Tally Student Center renovation and expansion. Um, really, it comes down to there's a lack of uh, student, uh, I guess, amenities on campus. And that's really the reason that it comes around is there's been a lack of improvements on this campus for ages. And it comes down to something needs to be done. And uh, they've studied it for several years. And this is the first step in improving it for students. But why now? Why in an economic recession? Uh, well, I think that there's several reasons for it. Um, number one is it's been planned for several years. And uh, uh, the second reason is I mean, it's not going to get cheaper. It's just going to keep getting more and more expensive. Um, there is a report that came out of uh, the facilities office that said for every year we wait, it's $10 million more on the price tag. Uh, it, it just comes down to the, the time is now not only for the price of inflation, but construction costs are down, and this is the cheapest that we're going to get it. And we understand there's going to be economic hardship on students, but uh, fees were going to go up by a certain percentage every single year. And this is probably one of the lowest that students, at least that are here now, or in, when they're alumni, if they keep watching fees, will ever see. Okay. Christian, you said you did not support the fee. Why? Well, it's really simple. Um, I voted against the tally fee because my constituents voted against the tally fee. Um, if you look at the results from the fee referenda, uh, 56.6% of the students said that they saw a need for an increased funding in the area of the tally renovation. Um, but then 61.6% of students that voted, that's 3,507 votes, uh, were against the student fee increase itself. And there were only 38.4%, that's 2,184 votes, um, in favor of the fee increase. So it's really, really came down to the numbers. Okay. Peter, correct me if I'm wrong, but did students know that they were voting for a fee increase for four years? I mean, that's what the fee review committee recommended. But during, like on the fee referenda, students were voting for one year, right? Uh, well, really what it comes down to is there was information on there that showed that the um, 80, 80, $83 is for this year, and then it um, slowly increases over time. Uh, I, we did the best that we could through the campaign, but not only through the fee referenda to inform students of that, but really for this year they were voting on number number one, the $83, but also approving the rest of the package that um, ramps it up beyond that. Okay. And this fee is supposed to be over a time span of, you know, 30 years, 25 to 30 years. But at that point, we would need a new Tally Student Center, right? So another fee would be recommended. What is your response to that? Uh, I, I think that um, it really comes down to how the facility is managed. If it's uh, managed smartly and efficiently, I don't think we'll have a need for it. I mean, you look at many of the other buildings out there that haven't needed, haven't had the need to be improved for 50 years or so. I think that it really comes down to, you know, proper planning. We'll take care of this building, but also you can pay down that debt faster through alumni donations uh, and other funding sources as the economy improves, maybe even state-appropriated money. Okay. Christian, you talked about how students were not in support of the fee. Why do you think they weren't in support of the fee? And, I mean, did you hear feedback from them other than the, through the fee referenda? Uh, yes, I did. I, um, I actually spent some time uh, in the brickyard uh, speaking with students, actually um, passing out uh, stuff with, with Peter here on, uh, on the Rally for Tally campaign, trying to inform students about it. 
um, trying to get them to go to the uh, the meetings the meetings that they had at the Tally Center with the architects and with the chancellor. Uh, they came out and spoke to students. Um, but yeah, I've I've been talking to I was talking to constituents before the before the uh, referenda came up and uh, during it and for the majority. Um, most of the people I talk to on Facebook and the brickyard and my classes and the dining halls, most of the, most of my constituents said that they do not support the tally fee increase. A few of them said they would support an atrium uh, an atrium fee uh, just if they were to split the, the split the tally and atrium projects apart. But um, since there was not uh, that option available, many of them said they did not want to go ahead and vote on the on the fee referenda and. Um, Many many people felt that that was kind of a a, sta- a stab in the back from the administration tying those two things together because they feel that the atrium is in dire need of renovation, whereas Tally, not so much. Okay, that sounds good. Now we're going to play some sound bites from around campus about what students think about the Rally for Tally campaign and just the fee increase in general. Sound bites on Eye on the Triangle. Opinions from around the NC State campus. Hi, I'm Matt Moore, and you're listening to Sound Bites on Eye on the Triangle. Today, I asked students around campus whether they supported or opposed an increase in student funds for the tally renovations. The board will meet on Thursday and Friday to discuss the issue. Shane Wanman, Junior Communications Media. I oppose the fee increase because not all students are even really involved and have to go to the tally center for anything, and we pay enough. Like, I don't go to the athletic games, and I pay enough to support all that stuff, and so I'm going to have to start paying to support something else that I'm not involved with, and I don't have a lot of money. Dylan Tillery, I'm a junior major in public relations, and I don't support the uh, new fees for the Tally Student Center. I don't really use it, and I don't really understand how the voting worked. I know a little bit about it, but it seemed like most of the students opposed it, and then somebody else kind of came in and overrode it, and like their votes counted more, and I don't really see how that works. And I think we could use an increase in fees for anything would be like more parking, because I'm 20 minutes late for every class, and I don't really want to join a club at Tally. Darius Stalson, uh, Film Studies. I personally oppose it because I don't like fees of any sort. But um, I think like the students when they voted, when they 61% voted not in favor of, I think it's really like disrespectful for someone else to decide that you know our vote doesn't matter because um, that really discourages people from the democratic process and they already have a problem with like our generation voting. So I think it's not really not fair, but there's not too much that we can do about it, I guess. <laughs> I mean, from the sounds of it, it sounds like they're pretty stuck in their ways. Like, they really do want to do this new stuff. So, I mean, I'm just going to pay the fees like everybody else, I guess, and just graduate in a year or so. Uh, Aaron Munns. I'm a graduate student, master's in teaching. I oppose the fee because I'm only going to be here for another year, and I'm not going to see the benefits of any increases in the fees that I have to pay. I've actually, I've been on a student here for almost a year, and I've never even been inside a tally, so it doesn't really benefit me personally. I'm Sakura Williamson. Um, I'm a psychology major, and I'm a freshman. If the students here at NC State voted not to have it, why are we still going to have it? Like, I don't understand. The fact that we're raising our tuition is not fair to us, especially for people that are struggling on financial aid. It's like our funding is already getting budgeted, and we're not getting as much funding as we normally do. I looked at my supposedly... 2010 like financial aid status or whatever and I'm not getting as much financial aid but yet until you increase my tuition which is making 
my money go somewhere else that it shouldn't be going to, that I'm not probably not even going to see while I'm here. I mean, give it up for the people that's coming to NC State. You know, I love NC State, but it's comes to a point where the if they're going to have to take responsibility for it, they should do it with their own money and their own funding, like fundraisers or something, but not through our tuition. I'm Ben Greenberg, and I'm a political science major. I oppose it if the majority of the students feel differently, and I'm surprised that it's only 60% against increasing fees. I would imagine it would be more. Uh, you know, the Board of Trustees definitely shouldn't be doing that. Um, it's a recession right now. Financial situations are already really tough, and if they are going to be improving tally, which needs to be done, uh, it should be on their own financial basis of what we already give them, which is a lot, a whole lot. Cameron Brown, nuclear engineer. I would actually kind of oppose it because there's a lot of things that we could improve around campus before tally. I mean, it needs to be improved, but it's kind of a, a hard time to be putting more fees on students. And when students vote for something and then the representatives vote against it, that's kind of like a complete fallout of student government. I'm Erin Whitley, and my major is biochemistry. At this point, I think that there are other ways that we should be spending our money, but I do agree that the improvements in tally will attract more students from our school. So I think it could be beneficial. Jeff Ren, junior in finance. I mean, in terms of in terms of the university, like I supported it. I don't think they did a very good job explaining you know, what the fees would go to, and they did a bad job selling it, basically, in my opinion. But I mean, I I support it just in terms of like I feel like NC State doesn't get enough recognition just around the country. I mean, the football team doesn't help that, obviously. Yeah, I, I voted for it, um, even though I mean it, it's it's an extra bit for us now. But and I know you know times are tough, but there might be ways to cut other funding and still be able to do it. But uh, I don't know. I feel like extra funding from us. Extra funding from, like, in terms of fees from students really isn't going to pay for most of that. Really, I feel like most of that money is really going to come from, like, giving and alumni and stuff like that. So I, I support it. Ian Estep, I'm a sophomore in mechanical engineering. I don't really support the fee increase. And I think it was kind of dumb how they had us, they talked to them, like the council did or whatever, and they were just like, well, we're going to do it anyway because construction costs are going to be going up. So, I mean, they just, they asked us about it and then they're doing it anyway. I think it's kind of dumb. That was Sound Bites on I Am the Triangle. I'm Matt Moore. All right, you guys heard the sound clips. Christian, what are your thoughts? I mean, what comes to mind when you hear all of that? Um, well, I mean, I hear I hear the people saying that they um that they see a need, uh they see a need in Tally. They need they want it to be renovated. They think that uh having a new student center will attract um more students to the university and um that probably that probably is true in my opinion i think that would be true but i think that if you look at the state of the economy nationally locally um a 200 200 and uh let's see what is it up to 290 dollar fee increase over the over the four, course of four years is what it'll eventually be um families and students they just can't they can't handle that right now and um i I really think that uh, this is not the time. This is not the right time to be putting that kind of a financial burden on uh, people because college students, everybody knows, is are already strapped for money, and their families are also struggling right now. So, um, and that's generally what I hear. And then I also hear, I also hear some uh, a loss of trust in some of the students there, um, in student government, in senate, and in the administration. Uh, we we ask the students' opinions, and then. The student senate and the administration seems to uh, be putting those opinions aside and going with their own agenda, and I think it's wrong. Uh, I, it 
really is wrong um, because student government should be the voice of the students. And when there's a conflict there, that's telling you there's something wrong with the system in general. So Okay. And, Peter, I'm assuming none of this actually changed your mind or anything, but did any of this make you wish that you had done something differently with the campaign or do you still feel pretty much the same way? Um, well, I think it really comes down to is uh, this issue is such a big issue and you're going to ask somebody if they want to pay more money for something that they're not going to want to do it. It goes back to the Carmichael edition. Everyone opposed that issue now, but if you walk up there any time of day, uh, the fitness center is jam-packed full of people. So it really comes down to uh, stuff needs to be done. The facility right now is costing more, so much more money than was expected to even keep it open because it has so many issues with it. Uh, it really comes down to something needs to be done, and this is the best option for it. Okay. And, Peter, one of the criticisms that the Rally for Tally campaign received is that, you know, administrators were pushing it very hard and a lot of student representatives were as well. Why why Rally for Tally if it's a done deal? Uh, it's not a done deal. Um, it has uh, plenty. So can the Board of the Trustees overturn the decision, or is uh, it possible? The Board of Trustees or the Board of Governors could overturn the proposal. It really came down to... Uh, the chancellor wanted to move forward with a good consensus of the student vote, and uh, he has a pretty good idea of what it is. Uh, you know, I, there's something to be said. Campus has dining on there because they can do it cheaper than anyone else. They have all these other facilities on campus. They can do it cheaper than anyone else, and that's the reason for this. So, you know, it may be a little bit more of an upfront cost, but at the end of the day, it's 80 cents a day that you're going to pay for that building, and you're going to get more facilities and more services cheaper than any place off campus. Okay. Christian, one of the things that, you know, some people have mentioned is that a lot of the rally against Tally people have come out after the decision, you know, from the fee review committee has already been passed. Is that something that you realize as well? Is there something that students could have done beforehand? Uh, yeah, I mean, I recognize that uh, rally for Tally or the rally against Tally campaign really did start after um, really after the fee referenda had uh, the results of the fee referenda had been made public. Um Yes, uh, it seems that uh, the campaign was a little bit late getting started. I think students uh, should have been, uh, students that were against the, the fee should have been out in, in numbers before the fee referenda. And I think they were, they just weren't as vocal. Um, I don't think they were getting as much uh, publicity as the Rally for Tally campaign in general because that, that um, campaign was kind of... Uh, very, uh, I guess you would say, loud and upfront in everybody's face, and that's that's really all you hear about. You see the sandwich boards everywhere, and people would just see rally for tally. They, a lot of people didn't really know exactly what it what it was until fee referenda came around, and um, I, I just feel like the uh, I feel like the campaign was pushed really hard, and there wasn't enough uh, like factual information out there. There weren't enough numbers out there for people to see and for people to fully understand what was. Uh, what was actually being proposed and what was actually being put up front. And then once once the fee referenda came around, they got some of those numbers and they decided, well, hey, this is not something that I want. This is not, this doesn't sound like something we need right now. And um, that's, uh, that's, I think, the reason why the campaign started up. Okay, that sounds good. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. That was Peter Barnes, stu former Student Center's president, and Christian Stackhouse, current senator um, in student government. Be sure to check out WKNC 88.1 on Thursday at 7 p.m. for an update on the Board of Trustees meeting and check out our blog at WKNC.org slash blog. And now on to the rest of the show.
Eye on the Triangle. Your local music news. We at WKNC were excited this spring to hear that the Kingsbury Manx were releasing an album for the first time in four years. It was a bit of a surprise, however, when the album came in an envelope with two others, the Americans in France debut, Pretzelvania, and the Impossible Arms debut, Ripped in No Time. Turns out these three albums were all officially released simultaneously for what was the launch of Odessa Records. Odessa is the brainchild of Kingsbury Manx member and music industry veteran Paul Finn. For this week's Hear This segment, Kelly Reed caught up with Paul to talk about how Odessa Records started, what his plans for the label are, and what new projects might have developed. So um, why don't you give me a quick rundown of what or who Odessa Records is? I uh, started Odessa Records uh, late last year. You know, I, I've long kind of wanted to have a record label, and I, I've worked at a lot of record labels over, over the years. Um, I used to live in Chicago in the late 90s and started out as an intern at Touch and Go. And that led to a, a full-time job at, at Drag City for a few years. And then I, I left Chicago and uh, ended up working at Merch for a little bit. So kind of working at record labels. But between that and like working at restaurants was kind of the only thing I've ever really done uh, with my adult life. Which is not a bad thing. It's a great thing. Yeah, it's yeah, not, not a bad thing. I, I, you know, I enjoy both industries, actually. But um, you know, music's always been uh, near and dear to my heart. I've been in a lot of bands over the years. and. I'm actually a current, current member of the Kingsbury Manx. Was that the official first release for Odessa? It wasn't the first planned release for Odessa. Um, the first planned release was the American France record. And basically, the way it came about, I had sort of started getting into sort of producing records in kind of like a, we were kind of in a, in a, in a lull with the Manx where we weren't as active and for, for various reasons and kind of in between records. So in the interim, I kind of started work producing and sort of hooked up American France um, and another band, Impossible Arms, and co-produced uh, both those records. Uh, the American France one uh, with Brian Paulson, and then with the Impossible Arms is Jerry Key, a pretty great person I work with. And I enjoyed the experience thoroughly, um, but w- when we got to the end of, of both of those records where they were mixed and, and, and ready to be mastered, the question arose, well, what now? Um, what, what are we going to do with these records? And uh, during the same time, uh, the Kingsbury Manx was kind of without a label, and I, me and the other guys in the band have sort of been through the awful process of like sending out, you know, the, the, the record, yeah, trying to see if anyone was interested, you know, getting some response, but you know, ultimately a lot of no's. Um, and this is coming off of Yep Rock Records for you guys. Yeah, we had done the one record for Yep Rock uh, in 2005, Fast Rise and Fall the South. We ended up parting ways uh, amicably with with Yep Rock, you know, their marriages and births and houses being bought and stuff like that, and. We didn't really have the time to commit, kind of doing what it takes to sort of really work uh, another record, you know. Yeah. And so we, we kind of took a little bit of an unofficial, not creative hiatus, but like... Um, Just a step back. Hiatus. Yeah. yeah. And we kind of wanted to be, it's kind of strange, but we kind of wanted to be on a smaller label. Uh, we sort of started out on a small label, Overcoat, um, run by Howard Grenold. We only left Overcoat because uh, Howard kind of started getting into management more and, and sort of not doing labels actively. Coming into a record label, having worked in record labels, you knew what you were getting into. It's pretty much an uphill battle. Did you know that fully stepping into this? Yeah, I did. I mean, I already knew how hard it was even when things were good. You know, the record industry, 
at least for indie labels, you know, you never felt quite comfortable, <laughs> you know, that like yeah. things were fine, even with, if things were fine, because you never knew when the, the other shoe was going to drop. But the thing was, like, when I worked at Drag City, you know, I never got the sense that those guys were doing it for, for money. It was like, because, you know, you, you look at the roster of releases and, and it, it's unquestionably like they're not trying to have hits. Yeah, they're not looking for chart positions. Yeah, not even yeah. In, in indie world necessarily. So I really respected that. To me, it was kind of felt like, well, you know, you do you do out of a passion for it. And, and if you go to debt or if you make money at it, you know, that's kind of separate. So going into this with like projects like Americans in France, are you looking for, you know, CMJ spotlights? Are you looking for positions on the charts with indie bands like Americans in France or Impossible Arms? You know, anything that that would that would help the band is good. You know, I, I'm not trying to give it off the impression that I, I, I'm, I'm trying to shirk success or anything like that or, or, or uh, that sort of thing at all. I think that the, ultimately the concern is an artistic one and then hopefully the rest falls into place. Um, so yeah, I mean, I do as much as I can to sort of promote those bands so we can make another record and then and keep the, the bands thriving. Um, all from a place of, of the, the sort of the music and the, and the credibility being the, the, the most important thing. What's up for 2010 with Odessa Records? Anything up your sleeve? Probably going to be a little more conservative in my release schedule next year. Um, I, this year was seven releases, which is a good amount for a first year. Honestly, there was about five records I didn't get to this year that I wanted to put out. But next year I'll have a uh, full length by the Wild Wild Geese, which they're, they're working on right now. There's going to be a transportation full length, their, their second record. Awesome. That's done, and it's great. It's the best thing they've ever done. Let me ask you this. Who is sh Horse? That's a great question. Horse might very well be the one of the one of the greatest rock bands alive right now. It, it's uh, you know to give the membership. It's um, Josh from American France on guitar and vocals. It's Justin from Impossible Arms on bass and vocals. Uh, it's John Jaquist from Wild Wild Geese and Spiderbags uh, playing drums and, and vocals. And then uh, the lead singer is Danny Mason, also known as Danny Magic. He has an incredible history. Um, incredible incredible musician uh singer songwriter and the way it came together was um i got a call from the band tin star um okay. and they said that they uh, um the band that was the headline their show had you know had to cancel and they were kind of concerned because they didn't have like a another band to play with it was at the cave and he said do you know anybody and i said well i'll make the calls you know it's the usual suspects american france can do it for whatever reason and impossible arms can do it for a reason manx can do it but josh was sort of like you know what we'll, i'll do something i'll just i'll just Put something together, you know. I'll just call some guys and, and I'll make something happen. And he called uh, Justin, and he called John, and um, they just basically, you know, played an impromptu set that night. And Danny Magic happened to be hanging out playing pool. Those four people had never played this stuff together, and they played the show as if they'd been playing for like a year, you know. Wow. And it was just completely amazing. And like they had this sort of chemistry, um, not only musically, but like you know, it was funny, and they were sort of all messing with each other and. It was amazing, and I, I just was completely blown away. And from there on, they just kept playing. Um, and they don't really rehearse. They just play live shows and will show up randomly at a place, and they'll just play uh, unannounced and unplanned. It's got progressively better every time, and they've actually recorded, like, a five-song EP, which is totally, like, raw and, and 
dirty sounding. It's like recorded on a four track, like a cassette four track, you know, kind of old school, I guess. Is there any good way to find this band? There's not a good answer for that because it's very like unplanned. But I think they will sort of start, you know, do the occasional planned show so people can actually come out and check them out. And the record they've recorded, um, <laughs> it's the first band I've ever given an advance to uh, of uh, $50. <laughs> um, and I think they recorded the record for 32 um, so awesome. they, they made profit on that already we're going to do a release of some sort and we're kind of talking about how it's going to be because Josh is very particular that he, he wants to come out a cassette pretty much only I convinced him that we could include a, like a, a download coupon with the cassette he said that was fine as long as you had to get the cassette to get the coupon let me ask you this last question Apart from Odessa and Horse, what bands should people be looking out for? Oh my God, it's it's so that's, that's a hard question because there's so many good uh, bands. Polinia, I love Polinia. Uh, the aforementioned Tin Star, I think, is really good. Um, you know, uh, North Elementary has been around for you know they're, they're they're no strangers to the scene. Simple. There's so many. I feel like I'm gonna definitely forget. Whatever brains, uh, Vili. Um, those are some more, but yeah, there's, there's a lot, there's really a lot. And, uh, if, any, if anyone, I've, I've, I've forgotten to mention, I apologize. I'm just <laughs> not thinking on my toes right now. Um, I, I get a, a fair amount of demos and, and stuff. Uh, you know, there's, there's so many bands I'd, I'd love to work with. I'm really pretty happy with the roster I have now. And I think the bands are all great. And, you know, Max of France are on the road right now. Possible Arms are on the road right now. Uh, Spider Bags are on the road right now. Their main label is Birdman in San Francisco, but yeah. I, I feel like Spider Bags is an Odessa band. I think, I think they feel the same way. All right, thank you so much for calling in. Well, yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, is there any last things you want to put in? Just that the Wamas record is coming out on the 24th of November. Awesome. And keep an eye out for it because it's, it's awesome. And that wraps up another episode on Eye on the Triangle on WKNC 88.1. Be sure to check us out Thursday on WKNC 88.1 or WKNC.org slash listen for an update on the Board of Trustees meeting and check out the blog at WKNC.org slash blog. Also, next week we will be taking a break for a women's basketball game, but be sure to check out the blog for more information. And as always, email us at publicaffairs at WKNC.org.